welcome to Why Can't I Have a Straw? Episode 2. Last week we talked about plastics with my lovely roommate and soulmate Kayla. Indeed. Uh, Who else would you have on this podcast, to be honest? (laughs) My lovely co-host, and we got into the nitty-gritty of how awful it is to be an ocean creature at this point in time. Uh, but now, this week, we've got a very special topic. Close I'm so excited. To, this is actually what got me into the sustainability like, s- like state of mind. I feel like this is also what got me into like sustainability. Like, I just... Uh, anyway, we're talking about fashion. Yeah, we're talking about fashion. <laughs> uh, so, before we get into things, uh, I say we stick to our weekly sustainability yes. success, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, what was something that you did this week that you're proud of or happy with uh, that was good for you and good for the earth? Um, let's see. I, like, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm very excited because um, this week I had um, mailed in, like, so not this week that I went through Mailden's clothes, but... Um, this week thread up process my clean out bag. Um, we're gonna we'll get into that a bit more later. But I'm very excited because they finally processed it and they took a lot of the items that I had sent in and they were all really happy with like what I had like um, sent on. Like I don't want to say donated because it's not like really donating items, but I don't know. It felt really good to like look at those items and be like, oh yeah, like I didn't want this anymore. <laughs> but I'm happy that they think that it's good enough for someone else to maybe want in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. I- we're already so excited to talk about it. I um, just, just, I don't think of myself as, like, a person who is really into clothes and fashion, but I don't know, when it comes, like, I get, I do get really excited about, like, eco-friendly clothing or just clothes, like, I do get, like, excited about clothing that has an impact or just, like, I want my clothes to be meaningful. Oh, yeah. And I, like, I feel like that's where I'm, like, getting at the passion for this episode. Like, it's not like, I don't feel like I'm a fashionista by any means or, like, whatever, but I do really enjoy, um, like sustainable shopping no I completely agree actually I think that is a really good segue into talking about fashion and sustainability yes so um I think we should kick it off and I'm gonna actually tell you a story about how I first got involved in sustainability and like practices period so do tell I'm so excited (laughs) I did not grow up in like a household that like recycled or that like really like like was I even like believed in climate change it's like I grew up in like a smaller town in the south and like my parents weren't very educated about it and like I for my whole life have believed that like climate change is real because it's scientifically proven but my uh one of our main co-hosts does not believe in climate change actually we're we're, we're doing this show together and this whole time she's she's a non-believer this is the non-believer point of view no no that's not what this is um but it just like wasn't a part of my life and then I came to college and you know now I live in a big city and I'm like oh these are there are so many different ways that you know my individual uh practices can have a a great impact on the world Mm -hmm. uh and so what happened is I took a course at Georgetown called uh intro to justice and peace studies which is like an intro class to my minor about just basically injustice and activism and like what is it what does nonviolence mean like very broad topics but one of the things we talked about were like structural injustices and like one of the things we had to do was in class we had to like turn to our neighbor and like read the tag on the back of their shirt mm-hmm. and tell them where their shirt had was made and then you had to go home and like research the factory mm-hmm. um and come back and like attempt most of us couldn't find any yeah, information find out where it was yeah interesting uh and it was like this big wake-up moment for me where I was like hold on like the, I don't ever think about like you know buying a t-shirt mm-hmm. uh off Amazon or like I grew up like going to like Old Navy Target thrift stores in general um yeah. so like it was never like a thing I really thought about until I was in college and I was like oh hold on a second like I don't like the like the thought of you know I think it's pretty common knowledge that factory conditions are not the best buying these like cheaper lower quality items that you buy a lot of them um you instead buy better quality clothing that's going to last longer and um while it's maybe more expensive and is more likely to be more expensive um it values the fair treatment of people animals and the planet um and that definition is from the uh, goodonyou.eco website which we're going to talk about a little bit later but um 
Yeah, I think that um, in the long run, too, like, just to kind of jump on, like, um, like, I don't know. The, the culture in the United States definitely values fast fashion. There's a there's a big culture around, I think, you know, it ties in with consumerism, it ties into capitalism, it ties into, <laughs> yeah. you know, competing, like the idea of competing with the Joneses or like keeping up with the Joneses where it's like, oh, I have to have X item because X person has this item and I want to be like them and I want to fit in and I want to do this thing. Um, and that, I think, ends up being, you know, like more like it ends up being i think obviously more wasteful but also more expensive because you have um on the um good on you website that i got the the slow fashion definition from they also talked about how um since in 2014 um the n- number of clothes purchased increased by um i think something like like 40% in america from 2000 from the year 2000 and the people were wearing those clothes less. Oh, yeah. I think there's, like, a stat I found that was, like, people wear an item of clothing, like, three times now before giving it away or get, getting rid of it, which is crazy to me. I mean, I was not someone who grew up with a lot of clothes, so I don't have a lot of clothes now um, still. So that was, like, an easy thing for sustainability. This is not me bragging for the record. It's just, you know, it's so crazy to think that, you know, we – just don't even think about it. You go to Forever 21 or to Zara, mm-hmm. and those are the really big offenders for fast fashion. Is Zara a big fast fashion one? I, I oh, it's, I knew that. it's number one, baby. Really? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I've got some stats on them we can talk about. Oh, really? I thought that they were, like, doing better. I only, like, I didn't really, like, care about them a lot, so I didn't know. No, no, they're, they're pretty bad for it. Um, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Specifically, uh, has 52 weeks, uh, seasons, 52 seasons, 52 weeks in the year where they release new items. They get, um, I, it's either Forever 21 or Zara gets new clothes in their stores Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays mm-hmm. every week, which is insane because that's not how fashion used to be. Like Kayla's yeah. talking about, like it used to be. Yeah. B- before the industrial era, you would buy clothes that were meant to last for a very, very long time. Like you would, um, like, yeah, before production became a big thing, it took time to make, um, like, all your items of clothes, and it took um, a lot of effort and manpower and, um, you know, like, skilled labor in order to do that. And after the Industrial Era or Industrial Revolution, the value of that work just really diminished. I mean, obviously, you know, production costs, like, went down and you know, cheaper clothing was available because uh, you can make clothing for cheaper, you can make more of it and buy more of it, and there's a big boost in consumerism, but we still haven't kind of, like, recovered from that, and we're still, like, pushing that envelope um, instead of reassessing, um, like, those priorities. Oh, yeah, and so here's, here's some interesting information. So Zara can design, produce, and deliver a garment in two weeks. Forever 21, it takes six weeks, and H&M, it takes eight weeks. So that means, like, something you see on the internet, you know, can mm-hmm. be in these stores almost instantaneously. And it just, I think it's a big part of, like, culture now where, like, in America, we see something and we're like, okay, I can have that, you know? Mm-hmm. You, there's no need to wait. There's no need to, like, think about it. You know, you see all of these, like, signs in stores, especially, like, we live in Georgetown, so, like, <laughs> in very, very cheap student housing but um there's all these stores in 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 georgetown that say like your husband called he said you can buy whatever you want kind of you know misogynistic and have you seen that no it's on the stores when you walk up and down wisconsin which stores i don't know the names oh my god oh wait no i think i know which one you're talking about i think that one um it's not, that's not, like, a big brand, though. I feel like that's just, like, no, a tiny no, no. store that's, but like, I, cell phone. It's just, just, it's just consumption is what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's just consumption. I was like, what is Forever 21 saying now? Like, they're going to bankrupt. They're just really just putting it all out there. <laughs> no, no, it's, you know, those little stores up and down um, Wisconsin where we... Which is the main road by our by apartment. Yeah, so... Uh, it's it's so crazy to think about it. Um, and it leads to the average American generating... 82 pounds of trash a year, yeah. <laughs> which is insane. 
not just like trash, but like clothing waste. Yeah, because you get all that. You you buy those clothes for cheap because you're like, oh, you know, it's cheap. I can buy a lot of them, and then you don't wear them because you're not that attached to them, or you you know didn't like you know if you're following the trends that goes out of style as clothes inevitably do, and you know you end up donating or trashing it. Yeah, and it's it's even more than just like you getting rid of the clothes that like you're not wearing anymore. It's or never wore, you know, I'm definitely guilty of, like, donating clothes with tags on them, because I thought in the moment it was something I wanted, and then... Well, it's not just, like, like, people individually, too, I feel like, um, it's, like, it's definitely a big thing for me to, like, get clothes as gifts, like, I'll get items of clothes, um, for Christmas, or, um, you know, birthdays, or from family members, or whatever, well-intentioned, but, you know, it's just, like, not my style, and I just feel awkward about... Um, getting those clothes and returning them. It's like, oh, this was a gift. Like, it's not my style, but, like, I don't want to return it. So I end up holding on to it for months and months and months until, like, I never wear it. Until, um, or I wear it once. Until I go back and then do, like, a closet purge. And I'm like, actually, I don't want this anymore. And then I get rid of it. But, like, by that point, like, whoever gave it to me, like, (laughs) forgot that they gave it to me, hopefully. Or, um, yeah, so... I don't know. I, no, it was a very far off tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's totally true. I was just gonna say. Also, in addition to like clothes that come into your hands, like there's also a lot that goes into how it gets to you, like the dyeing processes and like the collecting, you know, the synthetic materials and the amount of water that goes into <laughs> the production of a white T-shirt. I have, uh, you know, we love stats around here. So there are 2,000 gallons, 2,000 gallons gallons of waters that go into making a pair of jeans. So one pair of jeans, the average American would buy, uh, costs 2,000 gallons of water to make, which is insane. And it's 800 uh, to make a t-shirt. So that is a lot of water, uh, a lot more than you can save, you know, just by cutting your shower five minutes every day. So that's something that you can do that has like a pretty, pretty large impact if, if you uh, maybe do one of the things we're going to recommend later on <laughs> in terms yeah. of alternatives. We have to think about like air pollution and land degradation in developing nations. So it's in, it's, it's so crazy to think about how much pollution is put into these developing nations because it's so far away from us right and so like you don't ever have to think about it so not only are the factory conditions you know horrendous and the people aren't getting paid enough for their labor and these corporations are making insane amounts of money because you buy something at a 400 percent markup and then you throw it away and buy something new like six months later like for every item that you own there's also so much done to the earth in the meantime where we're having less and less, you know, breathable air, clean water. Like, it's literally decreasing. Well, and that water that goes into making those t-shirts and jeans, like, does need to be clean. Like, it is, it's not, like, salt water. It is, like, like actual, like, drinkable clean, water. drinkable water that is being lost to clothes. Yeah. Which is crazy. And it, you, just, you don't lose a lot, like, right? Like, water, like... <laughs> at least I grew up like my parents were always like we're drinking the same water as the dinosaurs drank like you know we have the amount of water we're gonna have mm-hmm. um until we figure out how to turn I mean make it easy to turn salt water into drinkable water but it's it's tough to know that all of these processes are costing people in the earth so much um and there are a lot of companies who are trying to do better about it, but there are some companies who are lying about being better about it, and that is greenwashing. Woo. Yeah, so take Maybe it away. not a woo. Um, <laughs> yeah, not supporting greenwashing here. Yeah, Kayla, what's greenwashing? I didn't come up with a definition. Oh, uh, that's okay. I got your back. Green- <laughs> uh, so... A lot of times, like, these companies that we're talking about, like, the three that we've named that are that are pretty big, um, will have, like, green lines. Or, like, a really common one to think about is, like, Tide. Like, Tide. As in Tide Pods? <laughs> As in Tide Pods. Tide Pods. <laughs> like, there's a lot of big corporations or even little corporations that do this that make things seem more green or more eco-friendly than they really are. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you use words like gentle or no fragrance or you know no added chemicals during Mm -hmm. this process 
uh, you think, oh, okay, this is like better for me. Yeah. You know, it's better for my kids or my family and it's better for the earth. No artificial, you know, colors whatever. Or flavors yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, you press the no trans fats mm-hmm. and like you don't ask about any of the other <laughs> ingredients. Yeah. And uh, like that's a thing in food or. Yeah. I, definitely. I mean, you know, I, we talked about this in food where um, you, there's like not really a lot of regulation on certain things that you can put on your packaging. Um, and the one thing that I had discovered while doing research for my um, language and food class last semester um, was that a candy bar and this, um, like there was this um, health food bar like company, I don't remember what they were, but um, they were saying how they um, were advertising about the energy that they give you and how healthy they are and et cetera, et cetera. But if you looked at the amount of sugar that was on that in that bar, it's the same amount that's in a candy bar. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, there's such a lack of regulation, especially even if you put like a bottle in like a green packaging, you know, then mm-hmm. you start to have like a certain association. Yeah. There are meta messages that come from packaging, yeah. from labels, from everything. All, all of it. But in clothes specifically, definitely, I think, see that with like, there are brands that are doing well, and there are brands that are just doing that for the clout. And I think that you kind of have to um, really dig a little bit as a consumer in order to get rid of those false messages. Yeah, and that sucks, because as a consumer, you shouldn't have to. The agencies in place that regulate this, so you don't have to think about it. Zara and H&M both have, you know, their conscious lines, their green lines. So tie certain items in stores as, as being part of the eco-friendly, you know, initiative and will have certain stats on it. And one of those stats was that this item is 100% recyclable, which is pretty cool. Uh, when it's referring to this item, it's referring to the tag because this item printed on the tag. Because it, it's printed on the tag. So that's then, ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. It, it's wrong. So the tag says this item, and you, because of the ambiguity in that. <laughs> you think, oh, it's the think, clothing yeah, item. Yeah, it no, the and it's. Item, it's which it's, you are tagging with the tag, but it's referring to the tag. That's awful. It is awful. And they do that all the time where they're like, oh, there's no added chemicals in this dyeing process, but almost like no. Sorry, not dyeing process, but like mm-hmm. during the you know, like drying process. So the dyeing process is where you add all the chemicals and the drying process, yeah, you, obviously you, you don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you're making jeans so misleading or clothing. Information. Yeah. yeah. And so you're like, okay, so you didn't add any chemicals in this part of the process that you don't add chemicals to you anyway. You did add chemicals like maybe elsewhere. Yeah. So it's just ridiculous how much they're allowed to get away with. And, you know, no one's holding them accountable. Well, because I think you don't, like there's some people you just don't know. Like if I saw this item... Like is 100% recyclable. I I also didn't think of the shirt. Like. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it was. This is almost something to do with plastics. Is like I used to buy these laundry pods that were made from like a green company, and they were wrapped in polyvinyl alcohol, like PVOH. Um, and so I was like, okay, super cool. They like ship in like a cardboard, like tiny cardboard box, like mm-hmm. no excess shipping. Like they say, like the little. PVOH lining that the pod is made in is like can be eaten by enzymes in the waterways. It's like totally good, great green laundry detergent. Mm. Uh, come to find out that like PVOH, polyvinyl alcohol, is can be eaten by enzymes, but there's not enough enzymes in our waterways to eat it all. And uh-huh. so a lot of excess of that, it's, a, it's actually like a synthetic plastic that just is able to be eaten by enzymes but there's just Mm -hmm. not enough enzymes that exist in our waterways to eat it all so there are these microplastics that do go into our waterways from those laundry pods and I didn't even know because I thought I was doing a good thing I thought I was buying from the green company yeah uh and come to find out that like while it's technically true that if there were enough enzymes like there is in a lab Mm -hmm. environment that they would eat it all but there's just not naturally found like in our sewage system uh so that sucked and I had to change my <laughs> laundry, laundry company yeah. yeah so all of this time like you have at least I had such a hard time trying to find like companies that were affordable because 
baby, I am on a budget. <laughs> and like also like find clothes and companies that I wanted to believe in. Like it feels well, like- and whose style you like. Like you yeah. want, like you have to find that like it's like a like quadruple Venn diagram of affordability, you know, style, sustainability, yeah. like and does there's it look good one. on me? Oh my God, there's so many, like, oh, baby, like, we got to get into size inclusivity. We're talking about, like, some of these companies, like, the green companies don't have enough money to, like, pay for a lot of, like, product testing, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I have, like, purchased, like, tops that I think were just, like, cut wrong in the sense that they were, like, not designed for mm-hmm. people with, like, big chests, like I am, mm-hmm. or, like, designed, like, it, there's, like, one body type this fits, and mine is not it, and... Uh-huh. Even though, like, normally, like, you know, a certain size would fit me, it just doesn't in this brand Mm -hmm. uh, because they're just not designed for people with my body shape. Yeah. Uh, And that's happened so many times that I've ordered from green companies. So that's, like, an additional thing, and it's so stressful trying to find something. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Kayla and I did actually come up with a process of thinking about this. Something that we kind of both realize that we do when we, like, see an item that we really like, and maybe it's this, like... um, in a fast fashion store, even just in general, I feel like I just apply this to um, basically every item when I go shop for clothes, is I ask myself um, like a series of questions to kind of get at whether I want, like in terms of like a saving money aspect, but also in terms of a, you know, sustainability aspect and, you know, making sure that this is a purchase that I want to make. So um, I will first ask myself, like, is this an item that, like, I absolutely, absolutely need to have? Like, do I need it? Do I have something similar at home? Because, or, you know, in my closet at home? Because if I do, and this is similar to something I have at home, okay, why am I getting this one then? What is different about this this item than something that I already have? Or if I don't absolutely, absolutely need it, you know, okay, maybe I won't make this purchase. Uh, so by need, we both mean, like, yeah. you know, it makes yeah. it, you know, Ma- Marie Kondo. Like, no, do no. I really, really, really want this? <laughs> no. That's what I mean Yeah, me. Marie Kondo it. You know, like, does, this bring you? A, does this bring me a, an insane amount of joy? Like, not an insane. Like, does this bring me a, a good amount of joy? Will I be pleased with this purchase? Yeah. Is this something that I'm really excited about? Or am I just, like, in the moment going shopping with a bunch of girlfriends and feel like I want to buy, buy something? something. Yeah. Um, and But I really don't want this item. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, do I think that I want this, but actually, oh, wait, I, you know when I get home, I realize, oh no, I actually don't like tank tops. and I just don't like how my shoulders look in them. So no, it doesn't work out for me. Or, yeah. you know, oh, maybe I like something else that I'll consider is do I have, can I come up with an outfit that I can wear this with? So if I'm like looking at a top, for instance, and I'll be like, oh, this is like a really, really cute top. Like I really, really like it. I will sometimes think of do I have pants that go with this at home? Or do I have a skirt that goes with this? At home? Yes. Or yeah. just to make sure that I can put an outfit together. Because if you have this really like, nice shirt but you don't have anything that you can wear it with um you're never gonna wear it because there's nothing that like it goes with in your closet so I mean maybe that's an excuse to buy something else that goes with it <laughs> yeah but that is that is something that I'll consider is I'll be like okay these leather pants they're really cool but what will I wear them with <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so that's step one and then I think like step two is you know if if it is something that you want like for me I feel very lucky to live in a house full of like women that are open to sharing things with me for like clothing and stuff that can and like we're generally like roughly like all the same shoe size although our other shared stuff no we just don't which is so we I this is I think goes back to that like American culture of like we do not live in a like a collective community and start the commune (laughs) (laughs) I'm an if you're in I will garden all day long I, well, at that point, like, when you're, when does gardening turn to farming? If How many people you're feeding? I feel like if, I feel like gardening turns to farming when you have a certain number, like, a certain plot land allocated to it. I don't know what that plot land is, but I think as soon as you, like, have more farmland than you do house property, it becomes a farm. And that's my, like, <laughs> that's my conceptual definition. Okay. Like, if it fits, in, like, if it still fits in your backyard and, like, it is, like, kind of just not like a big enough area where it um, exceeds your house area, then I think it's a garden. But as soon as it exceeds your house area, as soon as your, like your garden is bigger than your house, then it's a farm. Okay. Okay. I guess, I mean, I don't know if we'll have 
how this big the commune is. This is yeah. very subjective. Okay, if I'm gardening or if I'm farming, it doesn't matter. I'm doing something with the plants, which is important to me. I have like 20 plants upstairs along our windowsills to bother my roommates. Yeah, <laughs> but it does not exceed the area. <laughs> no, it does not. They're just plants. I don't even know if you'd say that's a garden. It's an herb garden. It's like 20 different herbs. I, but it's like not in like in it's, the ground. You no, know, they're in pots. They're in pots. Inside our house because um, they wouldn't survive in the cold times. Yeah. They didn't. Anyway. We're, 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 <laughs> we were talking we are, about we the second together. thing. Yeah, yeah, we all live together. It's a collective, you know. Not a commune. Not sadly. a commune, sadly. And like we do have the flexibility to share with one another. Yeah, but we don't. We don't. So that is like a second question that I want to ask myself more is, can I borrow this? Mm-hmm. You know, can I, instead of like going out and like buying a new dress for some event that we have to go to, like, can I either like yeah. use rent the runway? And I, I feel like, um, like to just jump in about like buying something for an event, I feel like, um, like pre COVID times or like just college, the college experience in general is there's a lot of events where it's like you have very themed parties and you have like themed nights and you have to have yes. an outfit for this one night, right? Yeah. So you come up with, okay, this is 20s themed. I have nothing 20s themed in my closet. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a like flapper dress and this is going to be what I wear to this one party. But you're then buying an item just for one event and you're like, I don't know if you're ever going to wear it again because you just bought it for this one event that's going to be like, that's going to come and go. So I, I, I feel like that's a big like college culture thing yeah, is no, to have real. like clothes that are specific for certain parties. Um, and yeah. if you don't have them instead of like maybe borrowing them or I mean, maybe you are a person that goes out and buy them and Hey, kudos to you. That's great. But maybe you were like, Oh no, I have to go to this party. So I have to buy this <laughs> item because I need to like fit in. No, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I think like freshman year, I actually walked down to Wisconsin, um, and bought a pair of white jeans for a costume party oh, really? for yeah and I just remember being so mad at myself like a month after that because I hadn't worn them since and I was like I'm never gonna wear these I, I hate white jeans I didn't really go to any themed parties I didn't really go to a lot of parties in general um because I was not a party person but um the parties that I did go to were for the um uh Georgetown's Renewable Energy and Environmental Network which is called Green oh she's uh, they flexing were, they were green parties and but the costumes that we had to wear for that was it was like wear anything but a t-shirt parties. So I like just took a plastic bag and cut it open. So I didn't buy anything. I just I in fact recycled an item to go to this party. Um, I never wore that plastic bag again. <laughs> um, but that was like the one scenario where I did have like a themed party to go to. But other people around me were going to parties and they're like going to you know yeah there was flapper twenties and first Hawaii few, nights. Yeah, first few years of college when I was more like in the activities of that had parties because Georgetown's very club culture yes um when I was in the clubs that had those kinds of parties I I eventually quit because I was like not better than them (laughs) no it was just (laughs) you know I I realized this isn't like the person I wanted to be I wanted to be different uh than how I was right change growth all of those good things Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I used to go to those parties a lot and you know have the different clothing I think I had a swimsuit at college that I exclusively like wore to like Hawaiian themed uh-huh. like luau parties um and I had like never been swimming yeah, <laughs> in, it, in, yeah. in I mean, DC yeah if you like you, you you do as a college student have specific like party clothes and like it's definitely a scenario in which you know you want to dress up or have a specific outfit so you go out and buy those things and that just contributes to waste and some some fast fashion culture but if you can borrow it from someone else who you know for instance went to that flapper party last year yeah or a similar party and you could just use their dress that's a great yeah buy your own connect with others see see if someone's willing to let you borrow something or if you can rent it which is something we should do more often yeah no i think that's cool and then you know or buy it used right Mm -hmm. like um i think this is you know so second step is can I get it from someone around me or can I rent it or can I get it used? Um, yeah. Like thrifting was thrifting. big thing I've done my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid out of necessity and like as an adult, um, also kind of out of necessity. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, that's like where you get companies that are really cool, like ThreadUp, which is like an online yeah. uh, thrifting place during the times of COVID. It's TM. great. I like, I don't know. I will gush about ThreadUp. I really, I, I do enjoy them. Um, because you can 
they will send you for free a um, like a bag, um, a polka dot bag, and you can put um, any clothes that you no longer want, no longer wear, um, whatever the case may be, into that bag. So if I um, am like, if I ever get into like a slump and I'm like, all right, it's time for me to get rid of some clothes, or if I ever want to buy like new clothes, so part of what I'll do is I will, um, I'll request a free bag from ThreadUp. I'll get it. It's a huge bag. Um, I'll fill it full of, you know, the stuff that I don't want anymore, send it off to them um, for free to ship it to them. They go through it. They process it. Anything that's high quality or, um, you know, that they determine is, you know, reusable, resellable, etc. they will um, list on their store, um, sell it on their app, and people can buy it. And then you get, like, a small percentage of, you know, the, the sale price for that item, which, you know, hey, it's a great benefit. Is that the reason that I'm, like, using ThreadUp? Because like, I feel like if you're <laughs> yeah. using ThreadUp to make money, you're not going to make that much money. Um, but, like, it's a good way to, um, like, you know, get rid of your items in a way that you know is going to be, like, so, like I know now that, like, if I don't want this sweater anymore, someone else is going to purposely, yeah. like, find it, seek it out, want to use it. And, and I can see it get sold. And then I have that money to put towards other items on their, their site. Yeah. I, I do have a question, though. Do you know what happens to the clothes that they don't sell on the site? Like, I, I, they I just say, they, like, generally they, like... They donate them. They either donate them. them or recycle them. Yes. I just didn't know if that's, like, a real like, donate. Uh, yeah, I don't know where... I don't know where specifically it goes. I know that they they do... Um, so what you can do with ThreadUp is you can say that you want all clothes that they don't accept to be... Um, mailed back to, to you. To be mailed back to you or donated. You could say either yeah. of those things. And you can also say... I do think that they also have a recycling program for clothes that they determine that they don't want to donate at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, you have the option of, um, in terms of the proceeds from the sale price, like whatever profit they're going to give you, you can have that come to you and use that as um, store credit or, I think, cash out with, like, PayPal or something and get it straight to you. Or you, you can put it towards future thread out purchases, which is what I usually do. Yes. Um, or... You can um, just have that donated, and they will donate those funds to a charity of your choice. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I think there is a question, though, we have to address when we're talking about thrifting, and that is, like, a big thing I've seen, at least in, like, my social circles, is, like, the question of, like, should people who can afford not to thrift, who can, like, buy from sustainable green companies, still thrift? i definitely seen on, like, the internet a lot of, yeah. Um, people saying, oh, yeah, I went thrift shopping, and here's, like, here's my thrift haul. Like, you have, like, YouTube videos, or you have, yes. like, TikTok videos, or you have whatever, and here's, like, here's what I got from my thrift haul. And in the comments, like, I see that these people are, like, why are you thrifting? Like, you shouldn't be thrifting. You're taking like, away from people who low income, mm-hmm. who couldn't afford, you know, to buy something yeah. um, that w- was at a higher price. And so, like, I did a lot of research into this because I was concerned, I guess, is a good word to use for it, but... Um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to think about it and think of where I stood on it because, like, I'm low income, grew up low income. Yeah, and it is, like, we want to, you know, we want to think about those intersections. And we yeah. We want to think of, yeah. you know, widespread impacts and, you know, what effect our decisions have on others, you know. That, that's an aspect of, of sustainability and... Yeah, I just, I, I'm just saying, like, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm in trouble for thrifting. Uh-huh, it was more yeah. of like a position of like... I want to learn more. Yeah, I want to learn more. And so I did. And what I found out actually is like for places like Goodwill or other like thrift, uh, approximately 80% of what is donated, if unless it sells in one week, it is sent to a landfill or sold to third-party buyers in developing nations. And so a huge... One week. One week. That's all you get is like one week to sell the item. And if it doesn't sell, that's where it goes, which is insane, which means there's way too much being donated and that there's an excess of used clothing and objects to go out there and find. Um and everyone's going to have different tastes. So you can't be like, oh, this person bought like a cute top because yeah. it's different. you don't know that someone that week is going to come and buy that. Like that's like yeah. that is one week. That is such a small time frame. Right, exactly. So like buying used is, even if you're buying, like 
why we're talking about buying used before we start even talking about sustainable clothing companies is because it's better for the earth just mm-hmm. to buy used. Buy, get what exists. Get what exists already. Do yeah, not, even even if it is a green thing. If yeah. you're buying, if you're getting something that exists already, you are not incurring those costs of. You know, you're not getting any extra labor costs. You're not getting extra water usage. Yes, you're not yeah. getting any extra um, like dyes into the. Or you are buying something that is already in the consumer like circle. You're right. Buying yeah. Something that's in that cycle so, already. You are not um, getting something. You're not supporting the production of a new item into this. Right. Exactly. And also, it like addresses the big things we were talking about earlier about like affordability and size mm-hmm. inclusivity. Those are like tough things within the green clothing which i mean is also hard and thrifting i mean you yeah like I, you know on the affordable side it's it's there but you know you still have to like know, hunt through yeah. yeah for sure it's definitely like and a, even on thread up like we, we were talking <laughs> about in terms of complaining about thread up like how um you know there are, you do have to do a lot of weeding still through the items of finding your specific style and things that you like on there and you know hey maybe a lot of these items aren't yeah it for me no exactly there's but, a lot of scrolling that happens <laughs> If you think about all of those items that are, like, turned away or that are thrown to the landfill or are sent to developing nations, like, I know in Kenya, they had such an excess of, like, old clothes from like, people in America or people in developed nations uh, that they just started burning them and, like, releasing oh all of these pollutants. And there was, like, a big thing where there, all of these fires were happening because they were burning all the clothes because they literally didn't have room in their landfills for mm. our trash. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just – it's – it's become too much, you know, we, it's too much of a burden to, to constantly be keeping up with this and making these clothes and getting rid of them so quickly. Uh, so yeah, don't feel bad about thrifting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But if you do choose to buy uh, new clothes, so if, you know, you are in a scenario and you decide that, Hey, I really, really want this item. I cannot borrow it or buy it used. I, um, you know, can't find it in a thrift store, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then you should look into a sustainable company to purchase it from. Get something, like invest your money if you really, really need this item and you want to have it um, and invest in a quality item that you know is, you know, taking into consideration impacts on people, animals, and the environment and is valuing um, those those aspects of, yeah. of its production. We've got some recommendations. We do. For the record, we have never, ever been sponsored by anyone. No. We are a <laughs> tiny little podcast production yes. group. Uh, so I have done some interviews with some people at different sustainable green companies, including a few that we're going to talk about today, but they didn't send me anything. They didn't you know, pay me mm-hmm. for anything. I reached out to them and I was like, would you give me 30 minutes to ask you some questions? And yeah. Uh, those interviews are linked down below in our resource guide for you to check out in their full length, but we're going to be talking about them and talking about things we talked about in those interviews, too. Yeah. Uh, so one brand that I think is really cool about shoes, because uh, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a, a Converse girl growing up. Mm-hmm. Were yeah. you Vans? Or? I, so I, fun fact, shoes are a difficult, are a touchy subject for me because all through high school I was... Um, I was a varsity sports player. I was on the varsity Ooh. soccer team, varsity lacrosse team. She fast. And I, like, loathed having to change, like, my shoes and my outfits. So I was the girl who would go to, like, class in, like, running shoes, like, running sneakers because I did not want to change for gym or practice or whatever afterwards. I think it was normal in my oh, It was not. Huh? In middle school? It was normal in my school. Oh, okay. I don't... I have been... Um, I have been... Uh, playfully reprimanded for my 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 fashion choices um, by my now college friends for, for <laughs> choosing to uh, wear those sneakers all the time. Uh, so I did not have like a like I was not a fashion shoe person. I was very much a I'm wearing Nike running shoes to class. <laughs> um, quickly though, transition to my dad uh, did purchase me a few like Converse in an attempt to transition me. I never really enjoyed Converse though because they don't um I wanted more uh like support, support and yeah. like um like squish <laughs> under my foot um, as so a running now, shoe now offers. I am an Adidas person I do like an Adidas like big shoe I I wear those often you've you've seen them more yeah <laughs> but I do have a lot of Converse though. no I was a big Converse girl I used to like you could get Converse at like Ross for like 20 bucks so like they weren't very expensive and <laughs> I used to like 
glue them together because I would they would like break open uh-huh. at the bottom uh like and become unglued and you could get like shoe glue for like five bucks at you know I feel like I remember you telling me about this yeah so I've like glued my converse together like dozens of times uh-huh. um but over the summer eventually I broke down and I was like okay I can't glue th- there it's more glue than shoe at this point mm-hmm. I had like two pairs of converse that are just done gotta change it up so I got a pair of bangs, which is a really cool company, uh, started by Hannah Davis, uh, and I met with her. She's a really cool lady. I'm going to let her explain the company right now. So I have a political science degree and a minor in Mandarin from Clemson University. I was born and raised in South Carolina and I went to school in South Carolina. Um, so my first real, I think, exposure to a, a very, very different culture than my own, um, eventually led to the creation of bangs. So um, I started at Clemson as a biology major, and I come from a family of doctors, and so I thought that that was the way to find success and happiness in life. And so I um, attended college assuming I'd follow that path, and I made it through exactly one semester of biology, 110. And they have, they call Bio 110 at Clemson the weed out class, and I was weeded out. Um, so I, it kind of took me back to the drawing board. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to be a doctor for a lot of reasons, or I thought I wanted to be a doctor for a lot of reasons. One of the main ones was to make my family proud, but to also help people. Um, and when I realized what it takes to be a doctor, kudos, shout out to anybody that's on that path and to our doctors, what an incredible amount of energy and commitment that takes. But um, you know, once I realized that I didn't, I didn't think that that path was for me, if you kind of have to go back to the drawing board. So um, I was able to identify that I still really felt passionate about the idea of helping people, um, but it just wasn't going to play out in the form of becoming a doctor. So I had to say, well, well what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, so I obviously eventually settled on getting a political science degree. And when I was trying to decide what my minor was going to be, I was talking to my parents and my dad recommended looking into Chinese and looking into taking Mandarin. So I did. And I ended up learning from this professor. Um, her name's Zhang Laoshe and at Clemson University. And she changed my life in a way I could have never imagined. Um, just the most smart, fiery, I'm 6'2", and so um, she is probably 5'1", 5'2", and she came into the class and was just like, you know, stood up tall and was confident and um, so smart and was just, I was like, my mouth dropped listening to Mandarin. I mean, being from South Carolina, I didn't know really many um, native Mandarin speakers. And to hear her lecture in English, but also speak this language that was so different from my own, I was just totally blown away and I needed more. I was like, what is this? Like, how, how does, you know, how did she accomplish this much? You know, she brought her daughter over. I was just enthralled by like her culture and who she was and how she shared it. And so I ended up taking every class that she offers (laughs) and, um, you know, people, advice that I got was take, you know, take professors, don't take classes. And I followed her around, followed around her colleagues and eventually ended up again being, um, having a minor in Mandarin. And I was in the very first graduating class of um, the Mandarin minor at Clemson, which was, which was cool. There were three of us out of, I think like 12,000 graduates. Um, And it eventually led to me, you know, realizing that I needed more. And so I um, signed a contract teaching English in China after I graduated because I didn't get enough after three years of studying. And while I was there, um, I discovered um, this shoe that was worn by Chinese workers and farmers, and it eventually led to the creation of Bang. So that's nice. Uh, she's, She's really cool. We talked a lot about like small brands and like how do you hold people accountable. Um, and having something try to like market between sustainability and also fair labor practices because oftentimes like you want a consumer to walk away with one message and so she we talk a lot about like marketing strategies for companies that are trying to do good on multiple platforms so go listen to that interview it's really cool um and they really neat shoes that i liked a lot that are ethically made and also uh do great things for the community 
<laughs> so Ooh. check them out. Um, they help other small businesses get started, actually, which is like a neat way for like a smaller business to, to give back. Yeah. To give back, because they're like, nice. we want other small businesses to do the same. Yeah. Um, What's the the next brand that you got? The next another interview. If you're just dying to listen to my voice more, is <laughs> uh, Passion Lily, which is like a, a women's clothing brand, and I met with the designer and CEO. Uh, and she's really, really nice. They do, like, hand-painted or hand-blocked clothing. Um, okay. They're based out of New Orleans. They're fair trade. Um, lots of green efforts on their part, uh, finding, like, the right factory and everything. Um, we also talked a lot about greenwashing. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to insert a clip right here where she, like, talks about, like, the theory behind kind of fast fashion and slow fashion. What's her name? Her name is Katie Schmidt. Really cool lady. We talked about greenwashing. We talked about fast and slow fashion. Um, and you're going to insert a clip? I'm going to insert clips of us talking right now so you can get uh, a little sneak peek and go listen to that interview after. Do you think necessarily the general marketplace within clothing or maybe just overall is going to look, say, in like 50 years? Wow, that's a good question. Um hard to even imagine because I would be 2070 and um, I I think there's got to be some kind of big change and when we look at okay like 50 years ago or even more than that 70 years ago in the 50s when things are produced in the U.S. and um, women would have one dress that they wore, you know, maybe one dress for the week and one dress for Sunday. And that's all that they needed. Um, so I think that we're, we're kind of going back towards that in, in some ways. I do think that in 50 years, or not to say that we'll be completely in those buying habits of the 50s, I think there still will be people that'll be over-consuming. Um, there will still be the rich and the poor, I, you know, I love to say that we're working towards a, a world where we're not having so much disparity in classes, but I, I don't know. I think we also have to be realistic too. Um, but I, but I guess the short answer is I see um, the buying habits um, shifting towards um, conscientious consumerism, people buying less, buying more sustainable products. Um, I think the, oh gosh, if I was to guess the trends, I don't even know. Um, I think that, that there may be more of a shift towards more simplistic cuts and timeless um, patterns and fabrics, but who knows? <laughs> So, like, it doesn't have to be, like, one of the green companies we mentioned. Yeah. It, you know. Just any high quality, you know, Something like that'll product. just make, that will last. Or and, <laughs> like, make you happy to wear it. Yeah, exactly. We all deserve to own and, and wear clothes that make us happy. It's mm -hmm. part of the way we express ourselves, right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I feel like, not that I'm going to say that I, I will never purchase a coat again, but, like, I feel <laughs> like this, you know, I now have a reason to not purchase a coat for for like a while because I have this coat that I really really like wearing and I like I have other you know coats previously but now like this is a high quality item that I feel like I can wear with a, a bunch of things like it's a yellow coat so it goes with some items and adds that little pop of color and I enjoy like I said I enjoy having it yeah um so lots of lots of good things uh I'm gonna recommend that you check out our resource guide down below where we are going to break down oh. a lot of different well, yeah, break down a lot of different things. But the other thing I was going to mention was if you um, have a brand in mind that we did not mention or a company in mind that we did not mention. Let us know. Well, A, let us know. But B, you can also look up any company that sells clothes um, using the um, goodonyou.eco goodonyou website. So they are a website that is dedicated to informing uh, consumers about how sustainable uh, their brands are. So they only do clothing brands. But you just add in the name of any clothing brand and they'll give it a, a rating with a little smiley face. And they'll tell you, um, based on how open that company is about their um, sustainable practices, eco-friendly practices, fair labor, et cetera, et cetera, um, they 
take all that into account and give it a grade. Um, and that way you can only purchase from brands that have been approved by the goodonyou.eco website as, hey, this brand is very, very upfront and open about their practices and what they're doing and they're trying to do well for the environment versus, you know, maybe other brands like um, Forever 21, I feel like we can like bash because they're going yeah. into business anyway. Um, you know, like, ah, they're very bad because they hide their practices. They, we know that they are fast fashion. We know that they... Um, are you know greenwashing yeah absolutely yeah so check out our resource guide stay informed thank you for listening uh check out our little spotlight on structural injustices on different bills that are going on that you know as much as we talk about individual choices can make a big difference uh structural change makes an even even bigger one so if you live in the u.s we have a little thing that you can go check out um maybe reach out to your representative about it um, and we will have a list of brands and that we use that are related to clothing, how affordable they are, you know, what sizes they are. So you can check that out. Uh, but overall, thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming to our house. <laughs> it's been so lovely to have you. It's been so lovely to have you. And we will see you next week when we talk about. I literally have no idea. I feel like next week is food. What is next week? I, I kind of just said that new, like knowing that I also didn't know where we were. It's something. I'm placing it $5 on food. Yes, it's food. It's Ha-ha. food. It's talking food. about food. Next week. Join us next week. <laughs> when we talk about food no. and diets. Yeah. And agricultural practice. Agricultural practices and eating meat or not to eat meat. That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Now get out of here. Yeah. Overstaying we'll your welcome. You nope. <laughs> In the next episode. Okay, so that's the <laughs> where I may not be present because my has decided that I'm now no longer a co-host that she wants. <laughs> yeah, I make all decisions unilaterally. That's what I'm known for, not being indecisive. Alright, folks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>